Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, thank you so much, first of all, for waking us up to another day. Thank you for giving us this chance to come here and not just to make this a fad or some fashion thing, but Father, help us to follow you for the rest of our lives. God, help us to seek and to save the lost. Help us to reach out to those that may intimidate, but yet we still have courage because you are the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. You created the universe, and with you behind us, there is no one we should ever fear. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of my lesson today is Go Tell It on the Mountain. Go Tell It on the Mountain. It's important for us to get the news out about Jesus. You know, there was this uh, old joke I heard about two fishermen out in a boat. It was a calm day. The lake was pretty isolated, so it was really just the two of these guys fishing in a boat. The first man put bait on his hook, threw it out there, and he just watched his bobber bob up and down on the waves. Next thing you know, he heard a big explosion, boom, next to the boat. He looked back, and the man was back there with his net scooping up fish. Before he could say anything, the man lit another stick of dynamite and threw it out in the water. Boom! He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm fishing. He said, don't you know that's illegal? And as soon as he said it, the man lit another stick of dynamite and threw it in his lap. He said, are you going to talk or are you going to fish? You know, a lot of times we get together and we talk about the good old days. And there's nothing wrong with the good old days, especially if you had a picnic, having fun, you can reminisce. But sometimes we talk about God as he is just in the past. But that same God that was yesterday is today and will be in the future. And see, we can't just sit around and talk about fishing. we got to do something about it. And it's important for us to realize that because we don't just have good old days. Yes, it was great, but we have good future days as well. And this is what God is talking to us about. He's telling us, listen, are you going to just talk or are you going to fish? It's important for us to understand. Again, Jesus didn't just down a cross for us to make it to heaven. He died with leaving us a purpose of helping other people as well come to know him. You know, it says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin is wrecking havoc in the lives of people today. You got doctors shooting people in hospitals. You got police officers who are supposed to serve and protect, needing protection because they're getting shot. And you're thinking, well, what country is this? Not what country, this is in our city that this is going on. Sin is raining havoc on people. Thus, people are going to a Christ-less grave. They're dying without Christ in their life. But see, we have a gift, a gift of eternal life, a gift that God has given us through the resurrection of his son. And so we can't just keep this gift to ourselves. We need to go and talk about this gift. We need to go and share this gift to those that are in need. What does it mean to spread the good news? It's talking about our evangelism, our sharing of Christ, what God has done in our personal lives. See, every disciple of Jesus has a gift. Every disciple of Jesus has a testimony that they can share. It's not just an invitation card. Your testimony is your invitation card. You don't need a card to share about Jesus. You need your life, and that's what you share about with people. 
When they hear how we've gone from being abusive or, or dr- struck out on drugs or immoral and alcoholics to being somebody who's going to church, trying to help other people, working in Bible talks, that's a testimony in itself. There are so many of us in this room that would probably be divorced if it wasn't for Jesus. There are so many of us that would have so much hatred and prejudice in our hearts if it wasn't for Jesus. That is your testimony. Look over in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, verse 1. We're going to read the whole chapter, verse 1 through 20. Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were like, were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And his story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the twelve disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Incredible. I want to talk to us about a couple of things we need to say. We need to go and tell it on the mountain. We need to go and share our faith. What do we need to share about? Two things specifically. The first one is this. What do we need to do? We need to go tell the truth about Jesus. We need to go tell the truth about Jesus. Again in verse 11. It says, While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say... His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. This report gets to the governor. 
It will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. You know, the guards went and they actually reported the truth. They reported everything that happened. But that message got twisted because they were influenced. They were scared of what the religious people had to say. Brothers and sisters, we cannot be scared or influenced by anybody in the world to not tell the truth about Jesus. It doesn't matter if somebody has a different opinion. We need to have the Bible truth. Let that be what we share. But these guards were influenced. They were too scared. They were intimidated by the religious leaders, so they didn't speak the truth. Not only that, they compromised the truth for money. It says they gave them a large sum of money. Listen, there are so many people chasing the American dream today. And they're compromising the truth of Jesus for the American dream. Some of those aren't real dreams. Freddy Krueger lives in some of those American dreams. They're thinking, oh, we're going to search for this and this is what it's going to be like. The only thing we need to search for is God's word and God's truth. We need to repeat the truths of scripture because scripture is truth. If there's anything we can believe today, it's the Bible. It's not the media. It's the Bible we need to believe. And if you want to quote something, we need to quote the good book and not Facebook. We need to make sure we are preaching the truth about Jesus. You know, Ben Franklin, he loved to argue. And occasionally he would find himself overwhelmed by arguments of his more educated friends. Times like this, he would say, give me a day or two to think about this, because I know I'm right. Meanwhile, he would go home to his print shop and set up a type of print in Bible style that expressed his position in a biblical language. Then he would come back and say, whatever you may think, you cannot get away from the fact that the Holy Scripture says in my argument in the book of John, and then he will quote whatever he said. He used Bible type to make his point true because people can't argue with Bible. Now, that's not the right way to do it. But that trick worked with those people because they didn't even go back and make sure what he said was true in the Bible. They weren't eager like the Bereans. They just heard it and took it for what it was worth. But people, whether they're religious or not, they know Scripture is true. Look over in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. Now, I'm not sure, but I'm starting to get a vibe of how the Bronx is after being here a few weeks. Can I share one of my vibes with you? When I'm preaching on something that's funny and cheery, everybody's in. Now I'm preaching on evangelism. It's getting a little quiet up in the house. I'm just saying, but I'm not going to stop preaching. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. There is something incredibly powerful about quoting the Word of God. People quote Socrates. They quote uh, Gandhi. They quote all these other people. But when you quote the Word of God, that's on a whole other level. 
Because he created all of those. He created Gandhi and Socrates. We need to quote the word of God. In order to quote, in order to quote it, we need to know it. We need to have it memorized. We need to have scriptures in our minds that when we're challenged or struggling, they come to mind and help us out of that challenge. See, we got to ask ourselves, am I still as eager to memorize the Bible as I was when I studied it? The day I was baptized. Am I that eager to get up and get into it? Because if somebody asks me something, we may not have all the answers. And sometimes you need to say, I don't know, but I'll get back to you. But sometimes, simple questions, we need to be able to answer. English preacher Charles Spurgeon wrote, I would recommend you either believe God up to the hilt or else not to believe at all. Believe his, this book of God, every letter of it, or else reject it. There is no logical standing place between the two. Listen, I was a firefighter for almost six years. Trust me, stop, drop, and roll will not work in hell. We need to know what we're doing. You got to make sure you are holding on to the word of God. And that is what we need to talk to people about, the truth about Jesus. Not what we watched on the Ten Commandments on television when we were little kids. Those are actors. We need to talk about the truth about Jesus. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is so important for us to know the Bible, because there's going to be people who are trying to weasel their way in, try to deceive, try to twist scriptures around. Satan knows the scriptures. He will try to twist them around. He tried it on Jesus when he tempted him in the desert. Throw yourself from this high mountain, and surely the angels will swoop down and save you, and you will not even hurt yourself. You know what? Those scriptures, he twisted that around. It's true that part of that's in the Bible, but that's not what it was alluding to. But too many times we hear something and we just think that's the truth. You got to know the Bible yourself. See, the thought of I'm a Christian, but I haven't been reading my Bible every day, that just doesn't compute. You cannot be a Christian unless you are in the Word of God every day. That is your meat, that is your nutrients. Now, many of us, we go three, four, five hours, and our stomachs start rumbling. We get hungry. We're going to do something about it. Is that how we are when it comes to the Word of God? You say, I'm visiting today. This seems a little hard for me. You know what? You need to keep visiting. You need to come Wednesday so you can hear those individual studies to help you see what I'm talking about. That's why we're going to do it so we can understand what it takes to become a Christian. Now, many of us that have been around a while, you still need to come because you need to get your batteries recharged. 
We need to make sure I'm on point in what I'm talking about. We need to make sure that I feel confident as I'm going to share with somebody about the Word of God. It doesn't matter if you're a teen or your campus, whatever. We all need to be in the Word of God. Preacher Dwight L. Moody once at a time in a southern city preaching about the value of the Word of God in a person's life. Suddenly there was an interruption in the, with a loud voice, a man in the audience. Mr. Moody, I did not believe a single word in that collection of old wives' tales you call the Bible. My dear man, replied Mr. Moody, there is one verse in the Bible that you are forced to believe. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So if a man uh, sows wheat, he does not reap potatoes and peanuts. Take the saloon keeper, for example. He sows drunkards, and he will reap drunkards. The man sat down, and the audience broke out into a loud applause. What you sow is what you reap. You sow love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know what you're going to reap? Love, joy, peace, patience. You're going to be that kind of spiritual person. But if you start sowing bad attitudes, criticalness, not showing up for service, that's what you're going to reap. All of a sudden you're going to be like, I'm not even sure this is the kingdom of God. Well, you're the only person that removes yourself from the kingdom of God. You're going to reap what you sow. So if you're in the word of God, trying to gain knowledge, that's what you're going to reap. You're going to reap that knowledge. You're going to reap those things. Why are so many religious people arguing? Because all they do is speak about their opinions and feelings. The word of God is nothing to argue about. Look over in Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. We're going to get to the point where even a campus ministry is saying amen every once in a while. They ain't going to just be sitting over there looking like, okay, this is for all the old people. Trust me, your salvation is nothing to joke about. When I studied the Bible, they were talking about eternal life, and I, I just figured that's just a long time. They gave me an illustration. Imagine the whole earth was a solid metal ball. Then you put an ant on the equator and have it walk around the equator. By the time it makes a one-inch groove in the earth, that's like one second of eternity. That's a long time. So you got to make a decision. Do I want to be with God for that amount of time, or do I want to be with Satan for that amount of time? Who owns you, God or Satan? Because you're going to end up with your owner either way it goes. That's how it's going to be. And so you need to make sure of who owns you. Mark chapter 13, verse 28. Mark 13, 28. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know the summer is near. Even so... When you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The word of God stands true forever. Forever. Look over in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, verse 35. 
Hebrews 10.35 says, Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. That's us, that last sentence. We're not going to shrink back. We're going to have some ups and downs, but we're not going back. You can go up and down like a roller coaster, but you ain't going to back that thing up. You got to understand, we need to keep moving forward. And if you're having a hard time moving forward, that's why you need a a partner in the gospel by your side helping you keep going forward. It is important for us to understand this is what a disciple is, and I need other disciples in my life. When I first started studying the Bible, they asked me what's a disciple, and I thought it was like a a, a level of spirituality. You know, you got like Jesus, priest, pope, I mean, just go down to disciple at the bottom. I had no idea because the only time I went to church was Christmas, Easter, and my birthday. Those three holidays. That's all it was about. You got to understand, there are a lot of people in this city that don't know the word of God, don't understand it, and they need somebody to spread the good news to them. Brothers and sisters, when we go out, we need to tell the truth about Jesus. If somebody's having a hard time, we do not water it down. He loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. And we can't start feeling sorry. Oh, well, it's okay for you to, you know, get higher every once in a while. That's not an addiction. No, what are you talking about? You need to cut the sin off. You need to repent, get rid of it, deal with it. You got to understand, well, uh, we're just immoral because I love him. He's so special. There is no excuse to be immoral. You can't water it down because I love him. I love her. That's against God's word. And we must deal with it and speak the truth about Jesus. Amen? Second point is this. We need to go tell about Jesus. We don't need to just talk about how great our church is, and it is a great church. We don't need to just talk about how great the preacher is. We don't need to just talk about the elders and the deacons. We need to talk about Jesus. We have to go talk about Jesus. Look back at Matthew 28 again. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority. That's not some. That's not just here in America. That's not a little bit here. That's all authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We need to help people see that Jesus is the only Savior of the world. That's the only hope we have. There is no self-help book that's going to get you to heaven. This is the only book that's going to get you to heaven. 
There may be things that help improve you and tweak you, but that doesn't mean it's going to last forever. This is the only thing that lasts forever. You know, the song Go Tell It on a Mountain is an African-American spiritual written by John W. Work, dating back to 1865. It's been sung and recorded by many gospel and secular performers. Go tell it on a mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on a mountain that Jesus Christ is born. We need to go tell, that's true, that Jesus is born. But we also need to talk about the fact that Jesus died. And that's why our sins are forgiven. That he was resurrected. And that proves everything he said and who he really is. And that gives us the hope that we too one day shall be resurrected and be with him. That is what we need to tell. I read one of the basic principles in marketing a product is to come up with a simple, consistent message and repeat it over and over and over again. Let me do this. I'm going to tell you the slogan, and you tell me the product and see what I'm talking about. What's in your wallet? (laughs) Capital One. Melts in your mouth, not in your hands. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. It takes a licking, but keeps on ticking. Where's the beef? I know everybody's going to get this one. Finger licking good. Save money, live better. Walmart. We have the meats. Arby's. Ba-da-da-da-da. Loving it. Are you in good hands? Good also. <laughs> you know, according to Dunn and Bradstreet, 95% of all business failures are from the ranks of non-advertisers. It's like the guy said, when business is good, you should advertise. When business is bad, you have to advertise. The gospel spreading business has not been good in America. The sinning business has been excellent in America. So with the gospel, we have to advertise. We have to talk about Jesus. We have to get out there and give hope. We have to share about this is the only solution. We have to get out there and do what Jesus calls for us to do. We need to advertise as best we can. We may get out there and get nervous and start stuttering, but you know what? That's how some of the apostles, those strong men, they didn't come with eloquent speech, but their life and just their confidence to even start talking impresses people. When I first became a Christian, I didn't like talking to people. I get nervous. My hands start sweating. Because when I played football in college, it was a game against Iowa State. I had a pretty good game. But at the end of the game, I got knocked out, concussion. I was done. So then we were in the locker room, and the reporters came over, and they started interviewing me. And they said, well, how did you feel about that first touchdown? And I, I, I just lied. I wasn't a Christian. I just made up something. I don't even know what I said. And they said, well, what did you feel about the second one? And I was like, it kind of caught me off guard. I went, uh, 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 uh. And that's what was shown on television that night, me stuttering. I didn't really think much more of it. Then I went to a, a grocery store called Dillon's. I went to this grocery store, and I started checking out. And I said, oh, how much is this? And the lady said, uh, 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 uh. 
Now, my first thought was I'm about to punch my fist through your face. I wasn't a Christian. I did think that. I ain't lying. I thought that. But when she said that, that just made me close up. I thought, you know what? I don't need nobody. I ain't got to talk to nobody. I'm good in my own little bubble. Just leave me alone. So then I started studying the Bible. And there was this short, red-haired, white guy that was studying the Bible with me. And this dude was telling me that I'm lost and I'm not going to make it to heaven. So my first thought was, I'm about to punch you right through your face too. But I knew he was telling the truth. So I couldn't really fight that. And he said to me, he says, you know, Jesus talked to thousands of people. He shared the good news. You cannot be a disciple until you get over yourself and start talking to people and sharing the good news. My first thought again, I'm going to punch you right through your face. But I knew it was the truth. And I said, you know, you're absolutely right. I can't even pretend to say I'm a Christian because I haven't even been sharing my faith. I don't even know what to share. I haven't helped anybody become a Christian. I'm just as lost as the, the murderers out there. He said, you're absolutely right. And that was a turning point for me becoming a Christian. Because he said that if I'm not doing what Jesus did, I cannot pretend to be a follower of Jesus. And here was a little short redhead dude telling me this. I know he was scared because he was, he was talking to me like this. And he was kind of shaking. He didn't know what was coming. But he overcame his fear to tell me the truth in my face. Only reason I can say he did that is because of the power of God. Brothers and sisters, that same power of God can live within each and every, it does live within each and every one of us. We don't have the spirit of timidity. We're not to be timid people. We're to be bold as a lion. When you hear a lion roar in the jungle, everybody gets scared. That's what it's about. Jesus told him in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, okay, now that you got the Holy Spirit and you're saved, just sit around. Just talk to your buddies. Just reminisce of how it was. Just, you know, talk about the good old days. No, no, no. You need to go fish. You need to get out there. You need to do something with it. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Look at what happened with the disciples here. Acts 8, verse 4. It says, those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. The church was doing great. They came in, persecution came, and people had to leave. They had to move somewhere else. It's kind of like the Brock. It seemed like every week somebody moving out for some reason. We got people need to be moving back in and getting baptized. That's what needs to happen up in here. But no matter where they went, they preached the word, whether New Jersey, whether it's South Carolina, wherever it is, they preached the word of God. Look in Acts chapter 5, verse 41. The Lord is calling you right now. You going to answer his call? Acts 5, verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. 
even though they were scattered, even though they were persecuted, it says they never stopped proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ. I think evangelism or telling people about Jesus, sharing about Jesus, it is very much like fishing. And here's the thing. You know, remember Jesus said in Matthew 4, 19, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So again, if you're visiting with us, this is why we're going to go through our Bible studies. Because Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. You're not just born a fisher of men. you got to find out what does that mean. How do you do it? How can I become a fisher of men? And some of us old-time fishing people need to revive our fishing skills and get back to being a fisher of men. But here's what happens sometimes. You know, if you go out fishing and it's kind of hot outside and you're sitting in the boat or on the bank sitting on a bucket looking for snakes, making sure nobody's coming at you, you sit there and you don't catch nothing, you kind of get tired of fishing. You start thinking, why am I out here? I could be doing something so much better. I could be in the cool air. I could do something else. So you know what? I'm done fishing for today. That's how it is sometimes in a Christian's life. They get out there and they may invite one or two, ten, fifteen people and get a negative response. And then they start thinking, what's the use? I, mean, I could be doing something better. I could be doing something else. I know I'm talking to some of y'all because it ain't that many amens going on. <laughs> but you can get into a rut because a little discouragement that you feel like, you know what, I'm just done doing this. You got to understand, that's not what it's all about. There's one thing I learned about, well, several things I learned about fishing. Those who cast the most, catch the most. You're not going to be bringing in any fish if you're not casting and putting the bait out there. You're not going to help somebody. Not every cast gets a fish. Sometimes you get hung up in the weeds. Sometimes you get a stick. Sometimes you get something like a turtle that'll bite on your hook. And you're like, I don't want that thing. Put it back. There's sometimes we will bring in Somebody that doesn't make it. That happens. But you just keep casting. You keep putting it out there. You keep doing it. It's important for us to realize that. That is what Jesus is talking to us about. Let me read this to you here. A man was walking down a deserted Mexican beach at sunset. As he walked along, he noticed another man in the distance. As he drew closer... He noticed that the man kept leaning down, picking up something, and throwing it out into the water. Time and again, he did this. As the man came closer, he could see the man was picking up starfish that had been washed on the beach. One at a time, he was throwing them back into the water. He said to the man, good evening, friend. I was wondering, what are you doing? The man replied, I'm throwing these starfish back into the ocean. If I don't throw them back into the sea, they will die from the lack of oxygen. I understand there must be thousands of starfish on the beach. You can't possibly get to them all. There are simply too many. And don't you realize that this is probably happening on hundreds of beaches all up and down the coast? Can't you see that what you're doing is impossible? It can't make a difference? The local man smiled, bent down, picked up another starfish, and as he threw it back into the sea, he said, made a difference in that one, didn't it? We can make a difference one soul at a time. You may not reach the whole city, but you can make a difference in one person's life, 
and that one person can change and do something. You have no idea the impact one person can make. But instead of getting overwhelmed looking at, oh, look at all these millions of people, you look at that one that you can change. You know, there was a guy in our campus ministry, just a regular old disciple, and he was walking down the street, and he stopped this. The guy had earphones on, blonde, big, tall, tennis player. He had his headphones on, and this normal, average disciple walked up to him and just said, could you stop for a minute? He said, I want to invite you to our church and to study the Bible. He asked him to take his headphones off so he couldn't talk to him. He took them off, and he said, I don't even believe in God. And he said, well, I have some books that you can read to help you believe in God. This guy took the book. He said, I'll get back with you. He actually read the books. They changed numbers. He called them. He came to Bible talk. He got converted. This guy is named Sean Wooten. This guy is the same guy that leads over in Kiev, Russia now. He's a guy that studied the Bible with me as well. We live together. And now he's in Russia and I'm in New York, all from Kansas. You say, what? Now, why did that happen? Because just a regular old member went up and stopped somebody, asked him to take their headphones off because he wanted to share about Jesus with him. That guy is still faithful today. Both of them are still faithful today. And I asked him, I said, so why, why did you even do that? He said, because I wanted to find the most intimidating person, the person that's totally different than me, and I wanted to invite them. He had to, he personally, his own decision, wasn't even challenged to do this, wanted to overcome his own fears so he can invite somebody to Christ. The guy was receptive. He not only helped me, he helped hundreds, thousands of people. He didn't even know the Russian language. Went over there, married a Russian lady, leading the churches. He put on our first Hope or Hope for Kids thing, invited Michael Jackson. Remember the video? Michael Jackson was at the Hope for Kids things that he personally invited. I mean, crazy stories. And you say there's nothing that comes from Kansas but Dorothy and Toto. <laughs> Look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Let me close out with this. Romans 10, verse 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, you may be thinking, my feet ain't that pretty. <laughs> I got a couple of bunions, I got a corn, got some cauliflower all on my feet. They may not be that pretty to you, but to the Lord Jesus, when you share his word, you have beautiful feet. And those beautiful feet are getting the message all across the country. But see, we need to go tell it on the mountain. We don't need to just tell it right here and there. We need to tell it in Manhattan. We need to tell it in Queens. We need to tell it in Long Island. We need to tell it in the Bronx. You need to tell it at ShopRite, Shop and Go. You need to tell it at Target. You need to tell it at work. You need to spread the good news wherever you go. 
Let your beautiful feet bring the good news of Jesus and let no one intimidate you, but you stay strong in the Lord and to God be the glory. Amen.